Winter was here, but we are just getting started on the Game of Thrones a rewatch of season six, episode four, a Book of the Stranger. And now here are the two guys who are here with the audio book of the Stranger. I am Rob Sister here with Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? I'm doing really well. We're very far along in this audio book of the Stranger as well. Just a few more chapters left before we call it. Yep. And we are closing in after this one. Only what? 13 more episodes until we are caught up to the real time. Oh, my God. And these 13 episodes that we're going to get to over the course of like probably like 17 weeks, something like that, I would say we're probably going to line up almost perfectly is my prediction. I think we're going to get real close to whenever that nebulous April 2019 date crystallizes in further detail. We're going to be finishing up winter was here just as the show is starting back up and it's going to be kismet. It's just going to be delightful timing. Boy, it's like the three-eyed raven himself was able to uh, pinpoint the exact time that we should start this. Oh, my God. It's incredible stuff. Um, No three-eyed raven here today, though. No, no. Just a lot of fire. (laughs) A whole whole lot of fire here on Game of Thrones Season 6, Episode 4, as the Broth Rocky go up in flames. Yeah. And... I have to say we are going to sort of end on an iconic moment, but I do feel like that up until that point, uh, another bit of a slow burn here. I do think that what we're going to see is that we're going to end the episode and then we're going to really shift into high gear with season six. But it, it, it takes a minute. You know, what's funny, though. So I, I was thinking about that as you were saying it. And some moments leapt into my mind of what we're still in store for here in season six, including the entire Lady Crane story arc is still ahead. That's still that's that's still on the way. Everything with the hounds return, which is while it's exciting to get the hound back in the mix, that whole little mini arc is not the most exciting Game of Thrones material going on. Um, The Daenerys story is going to be very slow, I believe, until it's suddenly not. Um, So I think actually... When you think back on season six, because I don't disagree with you, I think that these first four episodes have been a lot slower than I than I remembered them at the time that um, we were covering these episodes as it was airing. Uh, it's really the final two episodes of Game of Thrones season six that are so electric. Bottom heavy. Yeah, but like, I mean, like two of the best episodes of the whole show, but maybe right. like the eight episodes <laughs> leading up to it are all a little bit high. It's it's a long walk of atonement to get to that point. And this is even an episode with no Aria and uh, nothing going on with the, you know, three eyed Raven. So, I mean, we are pretty much, you know, all with uh, Westeros and everything going on with with Danny. But uh, yeah, this is a a little bit of of a rough one again. Yeah, and there's there are other things to look forward to coming up. The whole the door is a, yeah. a great episode. Obviously, the Hodor stuff is going to be fantastic, and even within this episode, the John and Sansa reunion that we're about to get to that's a really really great moment still. Um, but there's like things that are baked into that that are not so great. Um, we're going to see Sweet Robin in this episode as well, so that's not fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I just, thought it was fantastic. I, I mean, love Sweet Robin. He's he's kind of hilarious. Um, anyway. 
it's just it's just moving moving a little slowly here as we're as we're moving through season six a little more slowly than i think you and i expected okay so we open up on john talking to ed and uh this is ed asking john you know where are you gonna go uh, what are you gonna do and I do think that this encapsulates a lot of what we're seeing right now in season six of a lot of characters talking about like, well, well, what are we going to do? Yeah. What's next? We're just going to wait here until George R. R. Martin finishes the book. We got to start doing things. We can't just like spin the wheels forever. And Lord knows they're trying. <laughs> yeah. We're in a little bit of a holding pattern here. But just then <laughs> here yeah. comes Sansa. Sansa, Brienne and Pod get to Castle Black and we have our first Stark reunion in quite some time. And it's lovely. It's really, really great. I mean, just the way that it's shot. Uh, John is already kind of wearing those stark colors again. He looks like his father, or at least the person he thinks is his father. Uh, he's got like the green Under Armour with the brown vest. And so it really does look like two stark siblings who have been through so much, finally getting to see each other again after all of this time. Not even the closest by any stretch of the stark siblings, John and Sansa to hear um but it's still just after everything that they've been through in their respective journeys to see them reconnect like this uh, at the time it was very exciting it's still a really powerful moment now right and there's some talk about boy uh, you know we should have never left winterfell yeah that was a mistake leaving winterfell in the first place that was a very very <laughs> stupid thing for us to have done <laughs> yes uh sansa wants to go back in time and scream at herself don't go you idiot don't go, you idiot. Yeah, well, they got to reunite with their other brother and maybe he can work on the time travel. <laughs> yes. Did somebody saying something? Did somebody just say, don't go, you idiot? And I must have. I think I've heard. I think I heard something. Could, could, couldn't be. Anyway, yeah. so what, where will we go? What will we do? And Sansa says, uh, OK, we got to go home. Let's go to Winterfell. Yeah, we got to go back to Winterfell. Uh, one thing here, though, is when they're when they're talking about, all right, where do we go? Uh, John says, well, I got to go. I got to go with you wherever you're going. I'm going. If I don't watch over you, father's ghost will come back and murder me. Mm. And there's there's a couple of things there. Didn't John Snow a just die? So uh, like making jokes about him dying, it feels like a little too soon. Yeah. Touchy, touchy subject. Um, but also when he died and came back to life. Didn't he tell Melisandre and Davos that there's nothing on the other side? Jon Snow, there's literally only one ghost you should believe in anymore, and it's your direwolf. There are no ghosts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he might. He just been, could have been, you know, horsing around a little bit. I mean, I just I feel like at this point, this this stuff shouldn't be the the source of comedy for Jon Snow. <laughs> you should be deathly serious about this this subject. Yeah. Well, Jon Snow is not necessarily known around Westeros for his, uh, you know, uh, wry wit. No. Uh, but then Sansa says, so where are we going to go? And Jon says, well, I can't stay here. Not after what happened. And Sansa's been so cool with Jon Snow this whole time. She's like drinking his beer, eating his soup, uh, just like shooting the breeze with him. And Jon says, not after what happened. So we've yara yard through a lot of their reconnection at this point. 
has John told Sansa? So uh, right before you got here, uh, I was elected Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, which was really, really cool. Then I brought a bunch of wildlings through the wall, which was controversial. Then I got murdered, which was not so great. And then I got brought back to life. Like, is that the whole after what happened? Has John caught Sansa up at this point? Has Sansa not been brought up to speed? What is going on with any of this? I don't think this? she's up to speed. Man, this is just the stuff that I really dislike that I didn't think would bother me as much on a rewatch is why did Jon Snow die? Why did he die and come back to life? What was the point of it? They can't even make sense of it within the story. Like, it's just such an impossible thing to talk about and to talk around without it seeming like the elephant in the room. And no one is talking about it. the Oliphant in the room. If you want to bring in some Lord of the Rings animals to the mix, it oh, just makes... bring Ollie into the mix. Oh, uh, I thought that you thought that I was bringing Timothy Oliphant into the mix. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that. Uh, but I guess she must know because he's talking about how like, look, uh, like, you know, after all that I've been through, after all that I've lost, that I, I can't go. Fight, I don't want to fight anymore. And Sansa, you know, seems like she's, she's not curious about like, well, what are you what are you talking about? So she's been told she's been told then. And she's just like remarkably cool with the idea that somebody was killed and brought back to life, let alone her family member. Like, it's just so bizarre. It's so odd. It's mm-hmm. just so strange. Yeah. And I don't think that there's ever going to be any kind of satisfying explanation for like how everybody in the world of Game of Thrones who comes to find out that Jon Snow died and then wasn't dead anymore. There's just no satisfying way for everybody to be cool with that. And as an audience, <laughs> We're just expected to be cool with that. And I got to tell you, Rob, I don't know how cool with it I am. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I like it very much. And I didn't expect to be this hung up on it, but I feel a little I bit like hung it. up on I, it. I like yeah. this. Yeah. It's just <laughs> annoying. It's an annoying thing. And I'm sure that I'm like annoying people who are like, stop being annoyed about the thing. But guys, I'm annoyed about the thing. I don't know what to say. I'm a little annoyed about the thing. <laughs> All right. Well, Sansa saying, look, we got to take back our home. Uh, meanwhile, Meanwhile, we're going to see uh, Melisandre and uh, Davos talking about uh, what are they going to do next now that Stannis is not in the picture. See, now this I almost would prefer uh, for this to be like a, a scene that you get to see with Jon Snow or if Sansa was like, so wait, what do you mean after what happened? Jon's like, ah, I don't want to talk about it. It was like a, the, the thing happened and I don't really want to discuss it because that's basically what's going on here with the Davos and Melisandre conversation where Davos is like, what happened down there? And Melisandre's like, there was a battle. Stannis was defeated. And Davos is like, what happened? What, what do you mean? What happened to Shireen? And Melisandre's kind of like, ah, we don't have, let's just not talk about it. Like, there was a battle. Stannis was defeated. And that's it. You know, at least just like acknowledge the awkwardness of the thing. Be like, yeah, this is not something I'm ready to talk about quite yet. Then things get a little more awkward as so much more awkward. Brienne shows up. Yes, Brienne shows up and she has like zero F's to give when she comes up to Melisandre and Davos. She's like, oh, well, I actually can tell you what happened. Uh, Stannis got defeated uh, and then I stabbed him in the face because he killed Renly with blood magic and I avenged him. How about yeah. that? And I was like, OK, yeah. So has Brienne heard the stories of uh, the red woman, Melisandre? Because they, ha- they have not met previously, right? 
Well, she says, we met once before. I was Kingsguard to Renly Baratheon. Oh, yeah, she was there. Like, uh, you know, they had that scene where the two Baratheon guys were really posturing. Right. The Baratheon bowl. Okay, yeah. Okay, so then I think that she must have heard, uh, you know, oh, that's Stannis's uh, red priestess who is is helping. And then uh, so, yeah, so she's she's like a message received. Yeah, she's putting two to two and two together there. Yeah. And she's just, uh, I don't know, Brienne, she shows up at Castle Black and she's just the, the toughest person there. She doesn't care about any of this. Yeah. Uh, Brienne also drops that she executed Stannis. Uh, no uh, payback or retribution from uh, Davos or Melisandre here. Well, Davos is not much of a fighter. Mm-hmm. As, as he said, uh, and Melisandre is feeling kind of broken these days. And I bet Brienne is a little bit bummed. I bet she wouldn't have minded the opportunity to like get the holy trinity of the Stannis Baratheon crew right here. Maybe that's why she's being so braggadocious about having killed Stannis, which is like, how about that? I killed Stannis. You want to do something about it? Because I've got Oathkeeper with me right now and I would love to see you try. Mm hmm. Josh, uh, let's check in in uh, the veil. Yes. Uh, and we're going to uh, check in and sweet Robin sighting and sad to say, I believe this is the last time we're going to be able to say that. Yeah. And I believe the last time we saw sweet Robin, we were very concerned that that was the last time we were no, going we to see sweet Robin. They're like, oh, I think we actually will get to see him one more time. This is the one more time so far. Okay. All right. So here comes Littlefinger. He's back and he has a present for Sweet Robin. Yeah. And Sweet Robin loves Littlefinger all of a sudden. Like in all this time away, he has come to really be a big uh, Pattire Baelish fan. <laughs> yes. Um, so he's pumped up. He loves presents, loves, uh, loves things that can fly. And so, uh, he's pumped up and, uh, you know, what? he's, uh, you know, uh, more of a, you know, teenager now. He's grown up. He's a little bit grown up. I think he's pretty bored of, uh, Jan Royce emphasis <laughs> on Jan. Uh, I think he's just a real thumbs down on the guy he's been training under. And so he's thrilled to see Littlefinger with, uh, with the Griff Falcon, the greatest and rarest of birds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what's going on here with, it's like, is Littlefinger running a scam on Jan Royce? Was Jan Royce running a scam on Littlefinger? Can you explain, uh, what they are talking about here yeah i'm not entirely sure what's going on i think that um i think it's Littlefinger running a little bit of a scam on jan royce who wasn't aware that uh Littlefinger was marrying sansa off to the boltons and Littlefinger's like trying to cover his tracks because he doesn't want the news to get back to cersei or anybody in king's landing that he organized the arrangement the marital arrangement between sansa and ramsay and so he's trying to tell this you know this bs story to jan royce of like oh someone knew that we were we were doing this thing with sansa and uh you must have been the mole and i think that by getting uh jan royce in this position where he is going to feel like he was wrongfully accused of something, but that Littlefinger authentically believed it. And then Littlefinger was able to get Sweet Robin 
to keep Jan alive as long as he pledges his fealty to Littlefinger. Mm-hmm. It's like a display of power from Littlefinger to be like, you really ought to fall in line behind me because this is how much I've got you wrapped around my finger. Right. So so Littlefinger was headed to go meet the Boltons and marry off Sansa to to Ramsay. And I guess he told Jan Royce where he was going before then. And then did Jan Royce then give a heads up to the Boltons that Littlefinger was coming? And now Littlefinger is trying to make it like, ho, ho, because of you, they got right. Sansa. Exactly. They knew we were coming and they yes. took Sansa away. And this is on you, Jan Royce. Yeah. And Jan Royce is like, this is a lie. This is fake news. Uh, but sweet Robin is only here for Littlefinger. You know, he's only hearing what Littlefinger is saying. Littlefinger is saying, I don't know. I don't know, Sweet Robin. Maybe this guy isn't to be trusted. And Sweet Robin's talking about throwing Jan Royce through the moon door, uh, which uh, Jan Royce is not eager to, to take that trip. Okay. And ultimately, uh, Littlefinger said, recommends to Sweet Robin, well, you know, I think we should give Jan Royce another chance because maybe he could be a good uh, military commander. And we will see uh, the Knights of the Vale come uh, to the aid of uh, John and Sansa at the Battle of the Bastards later on this season. What do you think of Jan as a name? It's not great. <laughs> y O H N. Does he think it's short for Jonathan? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, because it's the George R. R. Martin. Although there is technically a John. So. Yeah, well, I was going to say, do you think Game of Thrones would be better if his name was Jon Snow? Jon Snow? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> his middle name uh, would great. be Eddard, and his initials would be yes. Yeah. All right, let's go to think Marine. About it. Just think let's, about let's it. Let's go to let's talk through everything going on here in Marine because this is where we are gonna uh you know, we're doing okay so far, but we're gonna start to hit a bit of a snag here in Marine as we are going to have protracted negotiations here with the um the slavers of uh, Essos. Yeah, the negotiations were long, and that's unfortunate. Uh, as Tyrion is going to say, we make peace with our enemies, not our friends. Uh, Grey Worm is not excited about that approach. He doesn't make peace with the Queen's enemies. He kills the Queen's enemies. Yes, um, and uh, this is actually a quote from Littlefinger from the first season. Wow, Tyrion uh, typically doesn't have a lot of respect for Littlefinger, so for him to be... Quoting the former master of coin is a fairly, uh, fairly significant thing. Yeah, uh, it's a quote that was said to Ned Stark by Littlefinger, but maybe that was something that uh, Littlefinger repeated often. Yeah, Littlefinger had like his little tiny book of uh, quotes that he liked to uh, unleash <laughs> upon like people. Coffee table book. Yes, yes, yes. It is like he had. Well, I mean, Littlefinger yeah. was a man of so many plans and strategies that he definitely had like this uh, parallel career path that he yeah. was carving out just in case this whole bum rush the Iron Throne thing didn't right. work out. He would say things like, "We make peace with our enemies, not with our friends." Yes, and then he would say. We keep our frenemies close and our friends closer. <laughs> yes. He was a big fan of good fellas. Yeah. Loves the good fellas. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh Tyrion uh with Grey Worm and Missande, they're talking about what what are they gonna do? And we say, Well, why don't we why don't we uh open up the negotiations uh with the slavers? And Missande and Grey Worm are like, What? You yeah. invited the slavers here to negotiate? 
What are you crazy? Yeah, and Tyrion's like, we have what? we have to do this. Like, we got to try and make some peace with these people. You know, we have to go into this with open eyes. My we own recent, ex- yeah, he says, my own recent experience with slavery has taught me the horrors of that institution. Uh, and Masande says, you weren't a slave long enough to understand what it means to be a slave. Tyrion says he was a slave for long enough to know, but it's not long enough to understand. And it feels like Masande may be reciting some of that wisdom from Littlefinger's coffee book as well. Like that feels like that would be in his book. Yeah. All right. So Tyrion is going to be uh, talking with all the slavers about how you don't need slaves to make money. There's other things you can do. Uh, I'm here to represent the queen. Uh, how about this? And so his his offer is no more slavery in Marine. You got slavery everywhere else, but in seven years, you got to wrap it up and no more funding of the Sons of the Harpy. Uh, even though they say they're not funding the Sons of the Harpy, he's like, okay, whatever. But no more sons funding the Sons of the Harpy. That's a and, funny part. That's a funny scene where, where he says, like, yeah, in exchange, you're going to cut off your support of the Sons of the Harpy. And they're like, we don't support the Sons of the Harpy. He's like, yeah, but you're going to okay, cut it sure. off anyway. Yeah. Just like, please, please stop. Yeah. All right. So do whatever you want for seven years, but, you know, don't give any more money. I uh, got to get all the money out of the Sons of the Harpy. And then once we cut off the funding for the Sons of the Harpy, then I guess this is going to be OK. Was this, a, you know, a great offer that Tyrion had? No, <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not particularly great. And quite frankly, the the Tyrion the Tyrion stuff has been not so great for a little while. Yeah, and Tyrion's like the, legacy is taking uh, a hit here with this offer. Ah, uh, man, it's not it's not fantastic, and it, it really does feel like there is this piece of um, there there is a road map to follow through uh, all of the first four seasons and much of the fifth, and here we are uh, off roading through the story, and it's almost as if some of these characters are no longer acting within their character. <laughs> You know, like, I mean, I feel like for Tyrion to be making just this wild pitch of a plan that really uh, is like morally and ethically not great and not aligned with what you know of Tyrion. Um, And also, like, if you're if if you're going to offset that stuff with like a really logical plan from Tyrion. A, this plan is not going to work as the slavers are going to come back to Meereen and try to destroy Meereen in full force. But be seven years as your starting point. (laughs) <laughs> Who are you, Angelina Keeley? Like, this is a terrible... This is the most laid-out example of a lowball offer that yeah, I've ever heard. like, seven years is where you're going to start? <laughs> you're representing the queen who you barely know, mm-hmm. and you're starting with seven. And the fact that Daenerys is, like, ultimately going to be totally cool with Tyrion after all of that. Uh, yeah, man, I got season sixes. Looking, you can, you can see the warts on the rewatch here. And then, like, Tyrion closes things out. Okay, this is my okay final offer. I'll leave you guys to think about that. By the way, uh, let me bring in some of uh, Marine's finest uh, uh, ladies of the evening to entertain you gentlemen, to entertain the slavers. Yeah, just as I was about to say, or just as I had already said, that Tyrion no longer acting in character. This is at least a man who loves a brothel. Mm -hmm. So some things never change. Okay, so Tyrion comes back and then uh, he has like a a council of the freed slaves and they're like, what are you doing? What is this? 
no, 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 trust me, trust me. I, I, I got this. Uh, ask Masande and Grey Worm. They had my back. And they're like, wait, why are you drafting us into this? This is totally uncool. We don't really have your back. Uh, and all of the all of the former slaves, all of the people of Meereen, they are not thrilled with. Uh, they're not even thrilled with Grey Worm, frankly. <laughs> Yeah, but Missande and Grey Worm vouch for Tyrion, even though they do this so uh, very reluctantly. Tyrion does have an explanation for uh, what his plan is here. He does. Uh, he's trying. To, he's trying to let them know that, like, he's listen. I hear you guys. I don't like either of these things myself. Um, but for us to just like unilaterally shut down slavery with the Masters of Slavers Bay in a single day, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Misande and uh, Grey Worm, uh, they know this is not going to work. Uh, Grey Worm is like, uh, you're not going to use them. They're going to use you. This is what they do. Yeah, you're you're, you're dead wrong about this. And ultimately, uh, Tyrion is. And we spend a lot of time here on a very bad plan. It's a very bad plan. Tyrion has the, the great quote. Slavery is a horror that should be ended at once. War is a horror that should be ended at once. I can't do both today. Which is also a Littlefinger original, I think. Is it? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, but he could p- put it in the book. Yeah, <laughs> put, yeah. Put it yeah, in the but book. also you will you will not use them. They will use you. Is another great Littlefingerism. Mm, yeah. yeah. All right, let's get to Dario and Jorah as they continue to hunt for Danny. And uh, I think we got a little locker room talk going on here. Uh, yeah, well, the closer you get to the Rocky, I think. Like I guess it's, so, something uh, in the air. It's airborne. Yeah. As you approach Vias Dothrak. Uh, yes. Dario is talking about, uh, I don't think you could ride the dragon. Maybe yeah. 20 years ago, maybe. And I'm like, oh, we're, are we talking about Drogon here? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> We're talking no. about the Khaleesi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, you know, uh, the, you know, Dario is doing a lot of age shaming of uh, Jorah. I don't like it. Yeah. It's like you maybe you could have done this 20 years ago, but you're you're an old man. I'm a young man and I can barely hang on. Uh, and Jorah's like, you know, he's like late 50s. <laughs> Relax, Dario. Yeah. OK, so. Jorah is saying, look, we got to put our weapons down because if we get caught with any weapons uh, in uh, Vias Dothrak, it's going to be a game over for us. At least we can lie and say that we we just got lost here if they find us uh, and we don't have our weapons. Uh, And so as they're debating whether or not to keep uh, Dario's knife, Dario spots Jorah's grayscale. The cootie spot. He sees it exposed. Yeah. Jorah exposed party. Yeah, and Dario is uh, is really icked out by it. Like he knows that that is immediately, and he was just talking about how much he loves his knife, and he was gonna ha- like hand his knife over to Jorah, and Jorah was gonna touch it with his little grayscale fingers. Like I don't know about that. No, you should not do it. Don't, don't touch any of my stuff anymore, Jorah. Yeah, um, <laughs> really gross. <laughs> okay, all right. So Jorah and Daria are going to sneak into uh, Vias Dothrak, and uh, really uh, one of the ultimate party destinations on uh, any checklist of Essos. You know the Dothraki know how to how to light it up, mm-hmm. uh, or or at least Daenerys does, as we will. She knows how to light up the Dothraki. 
Yeah. So a uh, big party, Jorah and Dario uh, sneaking around. They end up getting busted by uh, a couple of Dothraki. Uh, they try to tell them, oh, no, we just wandered off from the Western market and got lost. Yeah. And this is Jor- this was Jorah's plan the whole time, too, is like if we leave our weapons behind and if we get caught, we could just say that we were merchants and it'll be totally fine. And the Dothraki show up. And they're like, who are you? And Jorah's like, uh, how do you do, fellow Dothraki? We are. <laughs> With like his backwards hat. Yeah. It's like, we sell beer. Uh, the, the cask of the arbor's finest. And like, no, that's not going to go nope. over with the Dothraki. No. Okay. Yeah. So they see right through your Bashemi eyes. They yep. know that you're lying. They get chased. Uh, Jorah is getting his ass beat by one of the Dothraki. Uh, he gets bailed out by Dario, who ends up stabbing a guy with a knife that he smuggled in. And Jorah said, I told you not to bring any weapons in here. We're going to get in really big trouble now if they see that he has a stab wound. So Dario like smashes his head with a rock. Yeah, to like, uh, no one's going to be looking at the stab wound if this guy is just like massively demolished in the face region. So good plan. I liked that plan. Okay. Let's check in in the Temple of the Dash Colleen. Uh, I do think that that would be a cool name for a Dothraki woman, Dash Colleen. Yeah, I like it. Dash Colleen. Yeah, Colleen is good. Yeah. Uh, so Danny is making some friends. Kinda. I kind mean, of. I mean, like frenemies, a, a friend, a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, they're talking about that. Uh, what is uh, going to happen with the with the Dash Colleen? Because they're actually that they are. They're sort of it doesn't seem like it. But I guess the Dothraki, you know, at times might ask the uh, brain trust of the Dash Colleen for advice on uh, certain matters. But really, we're going to see that all of the uh, the, the Dothraki calls are going to still make a call on. On whether or not uh, Danny is going to join the Dash Colleen or not, she does seem to have made one one friend. Yeah, she's like she's like hanging out with like uh, maybe this is Colleen, right? Like this, yeah, Dash this, Colleen. Yeah, this is the one. Like this this young person who seems to be uh, really taken. Yeah. There's with only one other dinner. young person there, so they're sort of like uh, fast friends. They're bonded. She's 16 years old. Like, you know, they're decently close in age. Danny Pretty at decent. this point in the show is probably supposed to be like 20, 22, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can talk about stuff. Yeah. And so Danny needs to excuse herself and uh, she needs to go make some water. So uh, her and uh, Dash Colleen end up uh, heading outside. And no uh, amazing coincidence happens that uh, they happen to be outside at the exact point in the exact place where Jorah and Dario stumble upon the uh, Dash Colleen headquarters. You know, in the dialogue, too, uh, as Danny and this woman are doing their uh, Sorkian walk and talk, uh, Sorkinian walk and talk, uh, Danny is saying, would you like to see my dragons one day? And the woman says, I am Dash Colleen. I can never leave via Stothrak. <laughs> yeah. Until I rise as smoke from the pyre on the day I die. So she is identifying as Dash Colleen. So, yeah, there okay. you go. Um, this wasn't like the meetup spot or anything. This is no, just completely, Danny has no idea that these people are showing up. You know, yeah. uh, amazing coincidence. 
I think that Jorah and Dario have been like working their way towards this location. And it's an amazing coincidence that Daenerys is outside right at the exact same time. Okay. All right. So Jorah and Dario are like, come on, uh, Danny, let's get out of here. Uh, and uh, she says, no, we'll never, we'll never get out of here alive. And they're like, well, we could try. She's like, no, I got, I got another plan. Why would they never be able to get out of there alive? Is there, is there really no shot? How is she so certain? I mean, they got in pretty easy. Uh, they did have to fight off one guy. It's just one guy. Yeah, it is the middle of the night. Uh, I mean, maybe they don't trust Dash Colleen, uh, but maybe, or maybe if the Dash Colleen uh, elders, if they notice that Danny is gone for more than, uh, you know, two minutes, then uh, they're going to sound the alarm. But at this point, too, it does feel like Danny has has a plan in mind. She has an idea for what she can do to get rid of the Broth Rocky, I think, at this point. And especially knowing that Jorah and Dario are here uh, now that she has like some co-conspirators on the outside. I think she feels like leaving would be difficult, but sticking around and wiping out the authority and reclaiming authority. That's really in my wheelhouse. She's got her eyes on the prize here. Yes, she's gonna run so. the Dothraki. Okay, yeah, all right, she's gonna do it. We are going to really stop down for a while here with the High Sparrow. Oh man, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. A lot. <laughs> and this is like the sequence that the episode gets its title from, the Book mm-hmm. of the Stranger. Uh, and you'd be hard pressed to remember that because you probably fell asleep in this scene. Yeah, so Marjorie is going to uh, be taken from by Septonella to go meet up with the High Sparrow. And he's asking uh, Marjorie, uh, so where would you go if you got out of here? Uh, she's like, I'd go hang out with my fam. I'd go I'd go see what's up with the with with the mace Tyrell and, and Loris. And I'd probably hang out with little baby Toms, too. Yeah. And High Sparrow's like, I, I get that. I get that. But you see, your family is bad. That's also bad and then and uh, sit you know down what for else is bad your shoes yeah. your shoes are bad so let me give you my whole backstory and uh so we get the whole backstory on high sparrow but uh i am very excited for one of the upcoming hbo prequel series young sparrow i do think that uh we're gonna the really <laughs> do a deep dive into everything going on with the uh young high sparrow and in his crazy days Jude law as the young sparrow i think i think you've got it wrong it's actually the yon sparrow Sparrow. the name of the show yeah okay so what can you give us the uh the the real quick version of the real quick version is like his dad was a cobbler he was very wealthy i took over the the shop and i was making shoes and it was great and then the highborn people would give me their money and i would buy a taste of their lives and I would have shoes. And then one day uh, someone was poor and they died and I stopped wearing shoes. And that was that. Mm-hmm. So that's basically the story. I mean, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Yeah. He realized the poor were closer to God than the rich. And that's why he doesn't wear shoes. And so um, uh, basically uh, Marjorie, you can go see your brother now. The high sparrows shoe origin story is uh the game of thrones equivalent of lost exploring jack's tattoos (laughs) 
It's like nobody asked for this. No, like, yes, we noticed that the High Sparrow doesn't wear shoes. No one asked why. Mm-hmm. We didn't need to understand why he's barefoot. Okay. That's uh, about the Book of the Stranger somewhere in there, and the episode is called The Book of the Stranger. Book of the Stranger being the name for this episode is the first true competitor with the Nightlands uh, <laughs> that, that we have encountered, I think, since season two. Should Jan Sparrow have been the name of the episode? <laughs> yes. <laughs> or Dash Colleen. Yes, petition to rename the episode Jan Sparrow. <laughs> Dash Colleen. Yes. Okay. All right. So Marjorie is reunited with Loris, who's in the fetal position. I'm not really sure if Marjorie is changed at all by the saga of the High Sparrow's footwear journey. Uh, but here she is. And uh, she's saying, look, they want they want to help you. Uh, Loris is asking for basically an end to his misery. Yes. Uh, and yeah, Loris is basically just saying, cry, uncle, please just uh, just say whatever they want you to say. I'm done here. I do not want to be here anymore. Um, and Marjorie is very sad for her brother, who is clearly in agony. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that mean? Like, well, where do we stand? And now uh, I know that we are. Is Marjorie agreeing to a walk of atonement here? Maybe. I mean, that's what we're going to get into in this next scene, right? If that's what Cersei is going to find out from Tommen. Um, so I, I think that 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 might be the case. Yeah. OK. All right. So we're going to go up to the Red Keep and uh, Cersei is uh, walking in on Tommen, talking with uh, Pycelle. More dunking on Pycelle, please. Yes, although she does not have quite the intimidating presence as to make Maester Pycelle fart <laughs> upon her arrival, unless it was an SBD, which I suppose wouldn't need the captioning. Yeah, and she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I'm advising the king. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, well, is this a small council meeting? Get out of here. Yeah. And he goes, he finally leaves. You grace. (laughs) All right. So, uh, Cersei is talking with Tommen, uh, about, uh, here's what we need to do. Uh, we need to, uh, help out Marjorie. Yeah. We got to deal with the highest sparrow, but Tommen's already been thinking about it. He's got some ideas. He says, we got to be careful dealing with him. Uh, we can't have anything escalate any further. He's got Marjorie. She can't be put at risk. Uh, and Cersei's like, you know, they could he could do some really terrible things. Look at what he did to me. They could mm-hmm. do that to your wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cersei is going to go from talking with Tom and she's going to head down to the small council with Jamie, where uh, Kevin Lannister and Lady Olena are uh, deep in discussion about uh, what to do next. Yes. So it's it's going to be this. This is going to be a meeting that goes better than the meeting from the previous episode. Uh, these this this time around, Kevin and Elena are actually going to be uh, amenable to, to hearing out the Lannister siblings. Yeah. And they're going to be on the same page that they want to stop Marjorie from her own walk of atonement. But 
uh, and in in doing so, they're going to try to, uh, you know, I guess, uh, take out the High Sparrow and the uh, Faith Militant in the process uh, by way of having the Tyrell army come through and then uh, not having the uh, Lannisters uh, put up a fight. Just have the Lannister army stand down as the Tyrell army takes on the High Sparrow. But um, what's going to happen here with this? Because uh, that, uh, to my recollection, that we do not see the Tyrell army take on the faith militant no i think that it become it's a it's a non-violent thing I th- if i'm remembering right the tyrells with jamie at the helm are going to roll right up to the red keep and when they get to the red keep aren't they going to uh isn't like they're, they're about to march up the red keep and then tommen and marjorie, marjorie. like emerge from uh from the sept of baylor i yeah. think is i think is how it goes down if i'm if i'm remembering it right but honestly my re- recollection of it is is it's, starting it's, to it's it's, 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 thinning. it's that anticlimactic it's thinning it's very <laughs> anticlimactic that's right okay all right Let's check in at Pike and see what's going on. We saw Theon leave Sansa's side recently. He is headed home. He is going to be greeted by Yara, who is in uh, the uh, throne room at Pike. Yeah, and uh, Yara, not thrilled to see Theon. Very understandable. She put a lot on the line to see this guy, and he really blew her off the last time that they were hanging out. Yeah, and understandably, she's also like, ho, ho, oh, look who's here. Oh, great. Dad died, and now you're back, and you want to be the king. And guess what? Nobody wants you as their king. Uh, and he's like, no, 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 no. Uh, I just I just happened to be here. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I just I wanted to come home. Please. Can I just take a nap? A change of clothes would be fine. Anything. anything. Oh, anything. you're just here for the king's moot. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, please, I, I would actually really prefer to skip the king's moot. <laughs> it does not sound that fun. I would love to skip the king's moot if that's possible. Uh, but Theon, you know, he he's really trying to insist that I'm just here to be your ride or die. Uh, or your sailor die if you'd prefer like i don't want to i don't want to step into the role of king of the iron islands is no longer a thing that i'm interested in okay all right so he says yara you should be the ruler I'm like okay now oh now you're making sense it's like that's that's right that's right that's right as long as that's what you're saying that i'm then i'm here for that okay all right uh so okay we're making progress here but now we gotta go talk to ramsey with osha remember osha i do and what i remember most about osha is how much the people who worked on game of thrones really fell for natalia tenna who plays osha and gave her so much more to do uh and george r R. martin in particular was very vocal about how much he enjoyed this character's uh portrayal on the show versus in the book and then they take her off screen for several seasons in a row they bring her back here in season six just to ram a knife through her neck what an unceremonious departure here for osha coming up it's just Mm -hmm. a it's just a a true shame for all the osha fans out there in the world yeah so ramsey is uh sitting there he's got an apple he's uh flaying the apple he's eating like the flayed parts too (laughs) 
yeah uh and so it's a weird way to eat fruit i think is is the thing like i don't mind you eating the skin of an apple of course you know just bite right into the thing but like he's like really like make it a meal of the thing right like he's uh, cutting up the apple as if he's like gonna make an apple pie uh but then he's, he's eating the skin part yeah it's just a very strange thing that he's decided to do like the way that he eats apples is just another reason to hate ramsey <laughs> his apple etiquette is the hard thumbs down from me yeah and so like skin first like yeah. just like so like is he gonna is he gonna fully skin the apple and just he's like savor all of the skins mm-hmm. and then eat the apple there's a reason his dad never loved him yeah it's yeah. just so odd to me it's just i've never seen that before and i've seen a lot of people eat apples before rob and i've never seen anyone eat an apple like that yeah osha is going to go back to the playbook of uh she is going to try to put the moves on ramsey unfortunately uh theon has already uh told ramsey the scouting report of uh osha what she likes to do although yeah in the case of theon it was that she put the moves on theon and then uh, made him go to sleep and then snuck out so maybe that's uh might have been but she seems to be going for a knife Right. I mean, I think at this moment, at the very least, Ramsey has the scouting report that Osha had previously used sex to get the better of Theon. And so he knows that she's probably doing something similar here. Um, And either way, he's still in mourning over Miranda. So I don't think that he was exactly pumped about this. He wasn't in the the right headspace. And uh, unfortunately, Osha is going to get the uh, business end of uh, Ramsey's apple knife, which he's then going to clean off and continue to use to eat his apple. So just yeah, like that's really just, it's just dirtying it up even further. Got to imagine violation. Yeah. Like Romaine, eat your heart out. <laughs> All right. Let's go back to Castle Black. And this is uh, we're going to see for the first time uh, for all those shippers that are out there. Uh, the first time that we are going to see Tormund and Brienne. Tormund uh, looking longingly at Brienne. Well, technically, the first time that Tormund looks longingly at Brienne is earlier in this episode during the John and Sansa reunion. That's actually, I think, one of my favorite shots of Game of Thrones, Uh, like an underrated, just like quick little image in Game of Thrones lore is the camera is on Brienne as she's riding through and like she's just like looking off towards what we then come to see when the when the angle flips uh, is Tormund just looking at her like uh, like going like full beaker mode with like his eyes. Eyes wide and his mouth dropped as he's just like fully enamored with Brienne. And then when we go go back to them later in the episode and everyone's just like eating the gross like bowls of brown in the mess hall. Uh, and what is it that that Tormund is eating? He's got like this full ham hock that he is just like 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 really just like food mouthing pretty hard as he's staring brienne down i don't know i don't know There's a lot of strange eating habits on display in this episode of game of thrones yeah uh so hey uh we got a letter here for uh john snow yes and it's a letter from ramsey snow uh now ramsey bolton to uh john not Jon snow and this is straight from the pages of George R.R. R. Martin's A Dance with Dragons, though the letter itself, the contents of the letter are different. The circumstances under which John receives the letter are a little bit different. But the sentiment is about the same where Ramsey's basically being like, 
Hey, dear John, guess what? I'm in charge of Winterfell. I have one of your family members. I'm going to kill your family member. Uh, and I would love for you to come here and check it out so that I can also kill you. Uh, I hear that you've got my wife. Bring her back or I'll kill you and your brother and her and I'll make you watch me do all of these things. It's a very nasty letter mm-hmm. uh, that jo- John can't even bring himself to read aloud in full. Sansa has to snatch the letter and read it for herself. <laughs> yeah. And Ramsey has a way with words. This is a very uh, detailed writer. I mean, uh, <laughs> he could he could definitely put out some some solid horror fiction in uh, in Westeros. That could be a good second career for him. Fan fiction from uh, Ramsey. Speak with Littlefinger's publisher. Might <laughs> <have> a- <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so they have Rickon. What do we do? And John's like, eh, it's just Rickon right no he cares everyone cares about rickon in the universe of uh game of thrones yeah. at least uh in the letter uh ramsey says uh his dire wolf skin is on my floor uh is ramsey about to eat it <laughs> it's a waste of good meat if he doesn't right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so very okay. likely he's gonna eat the skin all right so what, what do we skin do first what do we do uh, uh yeah well th- john was the one who's like i'm tired of fighting and sansa was the one who's saying we have to rally the north where can we go they're always going to look for us if we don't rally the north so sansa wants john to rally the north you're the son of the last true warden of the north the northern families are loyal they will fight for you if you ask a monster has taken our home and our brother and we have to go back to winterfell and save them both and now john snow reborn finally has some story direction and being killed off and brought back to life is suddenly worth it yeah all right so to this point it's been a slow night on game of thrones but now finally uh here's some we're here for some action all right fireworks fireworks big fireworks here at last in season six four weeks in the making here we go uh, Danny is going to stand before the the brain trust here at uh, Vias Dothrak of, of all the calls are here. Yeah, I mean, like all the calls are talking. They're all like trading barbs back and forth. They're like, oh, we we, we lost uh, we lost this poor guy, poor Ago. Ago got his head bashed in with a rock. Uh, news travels fast in Vias Dothrak, I suppose. Uh, mm-hmm. that they already have that news. And then Danny gets ushered in and Daenerys is being objectified once again. She can speak their language so she knows what they're saying. Uh, and Call Morrow is uh you know trying to like calm everybody down and danny who's just standing there very peacefully finally pipes up and says why don't you guys ask me what i think why why is no Mm -hmm. one talking to me yeah there's also an offer on the table to trade danny to the uh slavers uh to the masters for uh a number of horses you know horses are a high premium for the dothraki yeah but they seem to have no value on Danny's life, but also don't seem interested in the horse trade. No, uh, they're very uh, they're of like no mind about this. There's no unified 10,000 horses for da- and the thing about Daenerys is like, uh, what should we do? Should we uh, should we take turns doing things with her and then and then basically throw her in the garbage or trade her for 10,000 horses like, uh, yeah, let's 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 uh, forget the horses. I mean, like 
they have no value for her. Get the horses. Yeah. And Daenerys is kind of just like, they love horses. Daenerys is like, well, how about like, if you guys can't figure it out, how about I just, uh, burn you all alive hmm <laughs> good one yeah right okay like a woman could really uh kill all of us and wipe us out and run the dothraki yeah right cut to all what of is the this dothraki uh, a ramsey bolton fan fiction in flames yes <laughs> ramsey original ramsey Van king i don't know that sounded better in my head yeah. when it came out um, uh yeah they're they're just they're not they're not uh they're not taking her seriously at all and that ends up being a massive mistake as danny just like really smack talks them all into disbelief yeah i did like it when call moro uh does uh call her a fool for trusting a sorceress and uh saying that that's why uh, uh drago and your baby was dead there's has a point yeah, it's, it's like, like the one thing he like. Kinda oh has a my point god, about. you fell for the oldest trick in the book. <laughs> Was he Tony? <laughs> <laughs> Darth Helmet. <laughs> oh, sure. Kyle sure. Helmet. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Uh, so Danny uh, is going to start knocking over some of these. Uh, what would you call them? Urns, pyres, pyres. Yeah, and it, it's a good thing that. Uh, Jorah and Dari are there because they were able to lock the door from the outside. I think that's, uh, you know, that was like the big takeaway of being able to reunite with those guys. Like, oh, I've got backup now. Yeah. That'll that'll work. I guess I would, Dash Colleen could have done that, but uh, maybe I think they but did she kill was, a guard. She was work. Yeah, there's some there's some dead guards. I think that she was working on trying to convince uh, Dash Colleen that working with her would be a worthwhile endeavor. I don't think Dash Colleen was quite there quite yet. Yeah. Now, did Dario and Jorah pour like gasoline everywhere? I mean, uh, is it just so dry in the uh, Vias Dothrak that, you know, if the thing gets knocked over? Because, I mean, that, that place went up. It went up. It went up. I believe that this was something that we debated at the time. This feels like a familiar debate. I don't remember where we landed on this matter, but let's just go ahead and say that the hut is too dry. Mm. Uh, and uh, it just it went up in flames. Yeah. I mean, can Danny manipulate fire at all? Is that is that some of her powers? I do think that it would have been nice if the show had done something along the way between when Khal Drogo died and the funeral pyre and her surviving the night and the fire and everything and emerging with dragons. And then this moment, if there was just like one or two maybe three other reminders of Daenerys's like fireproof skills, I think would have been helpful in this moment because mm-hmm. otherwise it does, it doesn't come completely out of nowhere, but it comes, it feels like it's a little bit out of nowhere. No, like that. It's that it's not something that's like set up even really within the episode that much as at, at least as far as I'm recalling, if I don't remember if she's like, if she touches something that should have burned her hand and it didn't. Um, but in this, in this moment when she chooses like the fire plot for me on the rewatch, at least it feels like it's just, it happens very fast. Yeah, I can't think of a thing between uh, season uh, one and season six where we have anything like that. Like, that yeah me neither nothing immediately springs to mind let us know uh feedback at postshowrecaps.com was there any hot soup in karth 
I don't know what the temperature on the blue raspberry smoothies was. (laughs) (laughs) Probably cold, though, would be my bet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And ultimately, Danny is going to emerge uh, uh, without her clothing, which has been burned. Uh, But uh, all of the uh, Dothraki who are uh, not in there, they bow down to the new leader of the Dothraki. It's over. They're on fire. They're dead. And she is in charge. And she has once again uh, bolstered her numbers as she is eyeing the move toward Westeros. Very exciting stuff. I mean, it is a really fun scene. Danny destroying the Brothraki and especially that it happens in episode four of the season. You're like, yeah. yes, all right, okay, we're getting Danny back on track. But then I think it's like gonna take two episodes for Danny to have the conversation with Jorah about like his grayscale and send him off again. I think it's gonna take about that long. Uh so the Danny stuff is actually gonna continue dragging a little bit. Um, but at the very least here we have this cool moment where she has set people on fire. Yeah. And uh, the Brothraki were really asking for it uh, leading into this moment. I mean, Carl Morrow uh, really was starting to lose his cool uh, dropping, uh, you know, hard C words and uh, just, you know, they were, they lost and not it. in the Iron Island sense. Yeah. <laughs> so very, right. very bad. Right. That's, I mean, his plan for Danny was really terrible. So uh, they had it coming. They had it coming. So that's the end of Book of the Stranger, uh, which we close the Book of the Coffee Stranger. Table book of the Stranger. Yes, that's what it should have been. <laughs> that's what <laughs> you got it. Oh, man, you got to they got to they got to send you a royalty check for that. OK. All right. So we are about to uh, get into the door, but hold the door for one more week because we've got the Christmas holiday coming up here in the real time recording of this. And so uh, we will bring you season six, episode five's rewatch coming up on uh, the first week of 2019. Oh, my God. That's exciting that we are going to open the door in 2019, the same year that Game of Thrones will close the door on uh season eight so on on the song of ice and fire right i mean obviously westeros is open for business forever probably Um, probably no that's very that's very exciting i'm very excited about that the young royce chronicles (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah we'll get into all of that uh but yeah we're getting into the door next which is a, a standout episode from this season at least in our memory certainly everything that has to do with the brand and hodor stuff i think should still be very exciting we'll look at everything else i was wrong by the way jorah and danny will have their uh tearful reunion in the door uh it's that danny has like her dragon moment is the end of the episode after that so it's just like they're they're gonna be on the road for a little while um but yeah all all sorts of stuff happening in our next uh recap of game of thrones which will be our our first recap of 2019. Very all exciting. Right. It's all happening. Uh, be sure to follow at round Howard on Twitter. Uh, Josh, uh, you want to mention uh, maniac maniac? Yes. Uh, or maniac as it's, uh, as it's sometimes referred to is the second podcast that Antonio Mazzaro and I have done in our series of catching up on shows 
from 2018. Uh, we talk about it from both a spoiler-free and a spoiler-filled perspective. So go check that out. Postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes is our main feed. If you have watched Maniac, I think you will enjoy the podcast. And if you haven't watched Maniac, then you'll probably enjoy half the podcast. So uh, go and give it a listen. We would appreciate your feedback. All right. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, have a happy holidays and a happy new year. We'll be back to talk about The Door coming up here in uh, two weeks here on Post Show Recaps. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.